from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Menno is in session. And good Thursday morning from the virtual Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. Um, we're, Gene and I are here with you via Skype again this week. Uh, hopefully this will be our last week and next week we'll be back uh, in the studio. Uh, Gina, good morning. How are you doing? I am well. Won't that be nice to be in the studio? I look yeah, forward to it. That's right. The one nice thing about Skype is we have a, a kind of a picture phone so that we can see one another. Uh, while this is going on, so we can sometimes transfer messages by hand signal that we uh, we couldn't do uh, if we were via phone. But uh, it seems to be working out. We've uh, only had some minor technical difficulties, usually because I've done something wrong on my end or I've had a cat disconnect me somehow. But we've locked Gilligan out of the room, and uh, I think we're set to go. I do have to say, uh, the coronavirus, unfortunately, has provided us much material for the shows these past few weeks, hasn't it? It has. It has. It really has. And, of course, now, uh, at least here in Iowa, we're starting to open up a bit more. I understand that movie theaters are getting ready to open again. I think the best thing, though, that that Governor Reynolds has done for me, anyway, recently, was open up the barbershops. Yes. uh, I'm going to miss my man bun, but... uh, (laughs) but <laughs> haircuts are definitely in order that's for sure yeah happy ascension you, thursday you never, yeah that is that is very good it's an important um it, it is an important day and we kind you know without mass on sunday <laughs> you know to go to all the time we kind of we kind of miss these important things but that's right it is ascension and we do need to keep that in mind another thing we need to do is we want to send out a happy birthday wish to our colleague gene wells it's her birthday today uh gene wells from straight talk happy birthday gene wherever you are i hope she's listening somewhere yes (laughs) all right we've kind of got an interesting show kind of we do have an interesting show for you but let's start off with a prayer if you've got one gina i do in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit a prayer for peace god of peace Bring your peace to our violent world, peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of the earth. Turn to your way of love, those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit uh, uh, later about this 1619 project. Uh, Gina, have you ever heard of that project? I, not until you pointed it out to me. Very okay. interesting. It's, it, it is an interesting project. And it's, uh, well, we'll have Michael Gonzalez talk to us about that. But it is a, uh, 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 it's a project that is kind of moving throughout the, um, 
public schools, which uh, puts a different spin on the founding of America and what America stands for and the relationship between capitalism and other things. And and um, uh, it's kind of a scary proposition. We're going to talk to him about that in a little bit. We're also going to talk to uh, Christopher Farrar in a little bit about uh, problems that they've been having in New Jersey with uh, police officers breaking up uh, uh, prayer services. One instance, we have a prayer service uh, in a private home by some Orthodox Jews who the police walked in on and started, uh, uh, I guess, breaking up the meeting. Uh, Christopher will have all the details, I'm sure, but it's led to a uh, federal lawsuit that was filed in New Jersey, and he will bring us up to date. Christopher, of course, is working as special counsel for the Thomas More Society, and of course, we're very familiar with Thomas More Society and all those folks there. They've been uh, uh, guests in our program many, many times. And strong defenders of the faith, for sure. Very, very strong defenders of the faith, and they're—I I like to think—they're fairly local. <laughs> you know, we, their main office is in Chicago, which is not far, and of course, they have a satellite office in Omaha, which is even closer. And uh, we've we've talked with those people many times before. So we're looking forward to having Christopher Farrar, who incidentally is a is a good Catholic apologist, um, and. Uh, uh, he's uh, well known not just in legal circles but in other circles as well. So I think we're going to be honored to talk to him later today. I, I am very. I mean, both of our guests will be wonderful, but I am so interested in the story out of New Jersey and the breakup of the churches. As I read those um, details, it sounded like something from Nazi Germany. It was. It's incredible what they, what the um, officers of the law did to those churches. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, there are some places where it seems like the churches are being targeted. Religious expression is being targeted. And, of course, we've seen our Attorney General, William Barr, uh, who's warned local authorities about doing just that. And uh, But anyway, we will take all those things up when we return right after these messages. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Blessman International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessman International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. That's BlessmanInternational.org. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family-owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop, ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall, online at BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Hello, the Catholic Diet. 
Archdiocese of Des Moines, including myself, Bishop William Johnson, would like to offer the heartiest of congratulations to the graduating class of 2020. God accompanies us at every step of our lives. This year has been quite an adventure, hasn't it? But through your families, your teachers and staffs, and of the faith communities who've lifted you up in prayer, God continues to draw you to that cherished place he wants you to be. May God's blessing and spirit be at your back as you go forward in the next step of life. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and uh, we are back with uh, Mike Gonzalez from the Heritage Foundation. Michael, welcome to uh, Faith on Trial. Uh, Ethan, uh, thank you very much for having me on again, and uh, we're able to communicate with your uh, esteemed audience. Uh, so, well, yeah, we, thanks. We appreciate your time. You wrote an article, and the main thing we want to talk about, we're going to give you an opportunity to, to promote this book that you have coming out in the end of uh, July, because it sounds very interesting. Uh, but you wrote a, uh, an article about this 1619 project, um, which uh, you said is subjecting school children to a curriculum that blames slavery on capitalism and whose creator believes socialism offers the best path to racial equality. Um, that's kind of... Um, <laughs> putting it bluntly, I take it you don't like the program. Why don't you explain to us a little bit what this 1619 project is, where it came from, and where it's headed? So the reason I don't like it, it's the 1619 project is a project by the New York Times, a series of articles uh, which uh, pretends to uh, place slavery at the center of America, to say that America began in 1619 when uh, slaves were first brought to the, uh, the continent of the United States by Britain, and not in 1776 when the Founding Fathers uh, you know, um, had the Declaration of Independence, which had the words, world created equal, uh, you know, uh, with inalienable rights, unalienable rights, and, and all these uh, promises about uh, our, what our natural rights were um, uh, provided by God. So that... I. That already is objectionable to begin with. The, 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 the whole project had a series of uh, fallacies and historical inaccuracies. For example, the 1619 project said that the, 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 the colonists the, fought the Revolutionary War because they were afraid that Britain was going to make uh, slavery illegal. Uh, that, that was completely untrue, and in fact, the New York Times had to walk it back. But the real reason why, I, I, in a way, I don't care what New York Times readers read. If they want to buy the paper and read nonsense, that is not a problem. Uh, that is their right. We have freedom of speech. What I do care about is... That we, we have bird cages that need to be lined with something. Right. That's right. why people that's, would that's buy so some of those. Yeah, but it's still a free country. So 
So what I oppose is the fact that it's being turned into a curriculum and is being promoted by something called the Pulitzer Center, which is not related to the Pulitzer Prize, but the Pulitzer Center promotes this as a, as a curriculum and actually has done a, a very good job of it. It's now uh, in, in 4,500 uh, classrooms, you know, hitting thousands of students. Uh, it, it's been sent to tens of thousands, uh, tens of thousands of copies of the magazine have been shipped to, to K-12 schools, to community colleges, to, to HBCUs and to other colleges. In the school systems of Buffalo, Chicago, Washington, Wilmington, Delaware, and Winston-Salem, North Carolina, have all adopted the project on a broad scale. This is, this is truly scary because what this is doing is teaching children to dislike America. It's teaching children that America is, is somehow hideous. And, of course, as you well know and your listeners will know, America is, it has, has, had, has had problems. Every country has had problems. Slavery was a tragedy, and nobody denies that, and we should learn about slavery. For, but the central issues of America is that it's a country devoted to freedom. It, it, is, it was these promises, this devotion to freedom, that enabled Lincoln to emancipate the slaves, to fight the Civil War. It, it, it enabled Martin Luther King to demand civil rights. Civil rights were won. Uh, we had a civil rights movement because Martin, Martin uh, 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 King said, I come here to cash this check that the founders gave me. Uh, so so uh, to, he actually made the promise true. So that is my opposition to the project in a nutshell. Well, what about, what about uh, professional educators who are uh, supposedly schooled in history? Uh, why are they embracing this project? Well, that is uh, essentially the subject of a, of a long a long uh, debate. Um, schools of Ed have actually been really politicized as well. They, the left has done a really good job of, of introducing ideology into this, the, the curriculum of the schools of education. The colleges which teachers are trained uh, do not forget that uh, Bill Ayers, the terrorist, uh, that that uh, he introduced Barack Obama to the world. Actually, uh, you know, in the, in the in about uh, 10 years ago, uh, he gave up terrorism to, to become an, an educator at, at a school of ed, at schools of ed. He went to Columbia and got his degrees on, on education, on how to teach teachers. So the left has identified the schools of ed as a, a target for their work many years ago now. So we, what we're seeing is partially the result of this. So they're, um, they've, they've infiltrated into the, uh, to the college curriculum, which yes, is now you, teaching teachers for the high schools and elementary schools. And so uh, I guess your, your, our theory here is that uh, it's just trickling down from uh, one source to another uh, on the left side of the political spectrum to indoctrinate children. Well, the, the Martin Center in North Carolina did a very good report on this. Uh, I think about three or four years ago now, in which he, you know, they they went out and looked at the curricula at, I think, five or six of the top schools of ed. And what they found was that they used, for example, Paula Ferrer's book uh, on the pedagogy of the oppressed, which is completely critical theory, complete, you know, leftist diatribe. 
it was used by, by almost every school of ed. And, 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 and books written from a leftist perspective over, were overwhelmingly used, and, and books written by, from a conservative perspective were not at all used in the schools of ed. Aren't they supposed to do books written in a neutral perspective? I mean, you know, as Joe Friday said, you know, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> yes, uh, I think that, that it was, it was that, uh, wasn't that a dollar? What was his name? Uh, I forget the radio, the, the radio character, Johnny Dollar. Was it mm-hmm. Johnny Dollar? Say, so, yeah, I just wrote the facts, man. It was Joe Friday. Um, yes, you're right, and, and we should teach slavery. Slavery happened, and, and it was awful, and we should draw lessons from that to be better, better educated. You know, nobody said that we should give a a sugar-coated history of the United States, what we should do is go out of our way to teach young minds to hate their country. And you yeah, it, it certainly says something about the United States uh, that we came through an awful lot of bad history and tried our best to make it right. I mean, you take a look at the price we paid in the Civil War for slavery to kind of uh, promote freedom uh, and and how long the uh, there's been a, a lingering effect of that in the United States and and how we're we're battling back. We're trying to make it right, but uh, uh, starting people out with a, a, a poisoned uh, uh, viewpoint of American history is simply not the way to go about it. And I'm glad you and others are uh, are um, uh, bringing it to our attention. Uh, the co-host uh, Gina is joining us also by Skype. And I'm looking at her, and she looks like she has a question. So, Gina, do you have something? I do. I have so many questions. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Gina. I, I, I find this very interesting that the um, author of a um, commentary in the New York Times writes this um, change in her view of the history of America, wins a Pulitzer Prize, and then... Um, grabs the attention of um, society or, or uh, the progressives to teach it to our children. Um, most interesting to me was the beginning opening line of her um, essay that started this whole project. And she stated, and I quote, our democracy's founding ideals were false when they were written. How does something like that capture the attention of individuals to snowball into this um, project to provide curriculum and change the viewpoint of the history of America? Well, first of all, I mean, thank you for asking that question. First of all, that, that line is almost ungrammatical. So ideals cannot be false. Ideals can be bad or good, can be implemented well or not implemented well, can it be adhered to or not adhered to, but ideals cannot be false, right? You can have, you know, ideals that just... Uh, thoughts that we have about what the best world represents. And that those can be very, very bad. The ideals of a white supremacist are bad ideals, but they're not false. And the ideals of, of, of somebody who wants to fight for freedom uh, for all Americans is a good ideals. So, uh, in my opinion, I'm just saying in my opinion, so that deadline to begin with. Uh, is, is, but but that, where, where it gets it really wrong is that our ideals, that all men are created equal, we're endowed by our creator with unalienable rights. That's what eventually helped us ensure the destruction of slavery. 
slavery was destroyed because these ideals were put into practice. And then we end the segregation because these ideals were put into practice. By the way, slavery is something that has been practiced by every country on earth. It was practiced widely in the country where I was born, Cuba. It was practiced. I'm glad you pointed that out because that that was lost, I think, in her whole essay. It, slavery wasn't something brand new and to the settlers of the United or of America. It, it it was had gone on for years. The the Bible references it. In the Egyptian slavery of of the Jews. So, so how's that? How is that overlooked in in her essay? Yeah, I mean, every time in the Middle Ages that the Vikings raided an Anglo-Saxon village, uh, the poor souls who were lucky enough to, 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 to survive the slaughter were taken on as slaves. The same thing happened in Spain, the same thing happened with the Franks, the same thing happened with the Romans, the same thing happened throughout the world. Slavery has been around forever and practiced in every country. We're by no means unique in having practices, practices here. That doesn't take away from the tragedy of it. And we should teach it to our children, and I do to mine. We should still be own up to the fact that, that America did this in our past. But to, to say that this is at the center, to place it at the center, no, what is at the center of America, what it makes it exceptional, is that we are the only country that derives its legitimacy from natural right. We, we have what, 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 what uh, the, the, the sociologist uh, Thomas Hart called we're obsessed with freedom, which is a very good thing. We have a, a, a unique attachment to freedom. That is what makes us exceptional. I noticed that the Heritage Foundation, you referenced a poll that they had conducted amongst parents in those states where this curriculum was introduced last year. Um, and overwhelmingly, they were open to a discussion of slavery in, the, in their classrooms. They thought that was a good idea, but they were opposed to changing the viewpoint of our systems, our institutions, and our history. Yeah, we haven't, uh, we're still digesting these polls. We've got, we're, we're going to release the, 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 uh, the results soon, uh, but I just wanted to tease it out a little bit because I, I, I'll be privy to, uh, to them. And that is pretty much it. What what the, in my opinion, what the 1619 Project pretends to do and what uh, Identity Politics pretends to do, and I've written a book about this, and it's going to be published in, in July, is to change America, to change what America is. The reason I, I, I titled my book The Plot to Change America is because I, after doing the research, it, I concluded that the people who were introducing the ideas of identity politics dividing the country into groups that are antagonistic, that hate each other, uh, that everything becomes a group uh, power dynamic, they want to change our institutions. When people say America is institutionally racist and structurally racist, the, the logical conclusion is that our structures and our institutions must be re, uh, destroyed and replaced. And, 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 and always, in every case, if you read their literature, what the model that is introduced is, is is a central planning model, a socialist model, and if you I, in, in the in the essay that I wrote, I quote Nicole Hannah Jones, which which is the founder, who's the founder of the 1619 Project, and the woman uh, the, the, who won the Pulitzer Prize for it. She said that she believed that Cuba had the had the, the, the most racial equity of all the places where, where blacks and whites lived together, of where where where, where, where slave was practiced. She said it had the most equity, and that was because of it, it is socialist. Now, 
socialism is what is more akin to slavery. The, the, the free market system relies on, on people agreeing to things, making contracts free of coercion. Socialism is all about coercion. It tells you that you must work for others for free, and it, tell, and it takes away your private property, which is what gives you the ability to be free. Exactly. Yeah, that's why everybody's equal. <laughs> They've taken everything away from people, and so, so they're all left without without the plot to change america how identity politics is dividing the land of the free that's your book and yes. it's coming out i think it's july 28th is that the, right, the date yeah. of it yeah, yeah you can, you can so go on amazon you, right now and google uh the plot to change america and and, and pre-order it uh but it's uh you know I, I put a lot of effort into this book and what i want to dem- what i want to demonstrate is what identity politics is i want to dispel the myths and, 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 and describe to my fellow Americans why it is so important that we take this seriously because this is a threat to our way of life and I give some ideas of how we can dismantle it and I think it's a, it, it sounds like it's going to be a, a very good read during this a, a, an election year uh, because it seems to me these things are permeating society right now uh, the identity politics, the idea that uh, America isn't quite as good a country as we think it is, and things like that. I, I think it, and that's I think is what's kind of tearing our country apart right now. Yes, when you when you introduce division, it, it, it's it's no it it, it, it it should be no surprise that then we end up with divisiveness. Right. Most Americans. Right. Right. Whenever you use labels and. As a as a device, it it provides for inequality. Right. And now, most and, Americans and the problem with watching, in, inequality ahead, ahead. we're having right now is that we're running out of time here. Well, so, uh, just a reminder: uh, the plot to change America, how identity politics is dividing the land of the free. It's going to be available July twenty eighth, and I noticed that it's up on Amazon right now, and it appears to have some pretty good uh, uh, reviews already by the people that have had a chance to read it ahead of time. Um, so I wish you luck with it, Michael. It sounds like it's going to be an interesting book, something that's going to be very um, uh, timely this year. Thanks, thanks to the two of you. I really I feel much obliged. Thank you. Certainly. Thank, Thank you very you, much. That's uh, Mike Gonzalez from the Heritage Foundation, and this is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we'll be back after these messages. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. This is Dr. Rigorendi from The Doctor Is In. Okay, I'll confess. Years ago when I was asked to be on Catholic Radio, I peremptorily said, uh, no thanks. And then I realized the power of Catholic Radio. As I got emails and letters from folks who have come back to the church, whose families converted, whose lives were made better, it's training for the troops. It makes better Catholics, better Christians out of the folks who listen, and then they go out to transform the world. Your gift works to make a difference for you. You can give securely online at iowacatholicradio.com, the Iowa Catholic Radio app, or call 515-223-1150. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. We have a cold front on the way. That'll bring us some showers starting tomorrow. For this afternoon, just some clouds and are high in the mid-60s. Cloudy overnight and mid-50s. And then some afternoon showers and a few thunderstorms will be possible. We'll hit about 72. Scattered showers and low 80 Saturday. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And welcome back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we have with us right now Christopher Ferrara, who is special counsel for the Thomas More Society. Christopher, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. We're happy to have you with us. Glad to be here. Well, last time I heard you, you were with Dr. Taylor Marshall talking about the third secret of Fatima. That's One right. of these days... We want to have you back, maybe take the whole hour talking about that third secret of Fatima. It was an interesting discussion, and I think it's still up online. (laughs) (laughs) All right, tell us about what's going on in uh, Lakewood, New Jersey, and uh, the Jewish community there. They're being, I guess, um, um, scattered by (laughs) cops that are breaking up their uh, their meetings, and we got a priest in... uh, I don't know what city it's in, but anyway, it was. He was told uh, North Caldwell, I guess. He was told that uh, he would be fined or arrested, I guess, uh, for violating the governor's order if he tried to offer mass. What in the world well, is going on in New Jersey? Uh, nothing that has ever been seen before in the history of New Jersey or in the history of the country. <laughs> so what's happening in New Jersey is on the pretext of this virus, which is already fading away as the warm weather comes, like any other influenza-like illness, the governor has decided he can micromanage the lives of 9 million residents of New Jersey, issuing executive orders that tell them when they can leave their home. He actually specifies nine permissible reasons for leaving your home, what products and businesses you can uh, patronize, uh, what businesses that cannot operate, 
what non-retail businesses can uh, operate, which is basically all of them, the office environments and warehouses and factories, what recreational activities are permissible. At one point, it was two people for golf. Now it's four people for golf. Uh, you know, he just opened the beaches and parks. Uh, so he's going willy-nilly, creating various exceptions to his regime of prohibitions on normal activity. Now, the problem that poses is, under the case law, you can't have a policy that is neutral and generally applicable. At the same time, you're riddling the policy with various convenient exceptions to the things that Governor Murphy considers essential versus non-essential stuff. So the way it's working out is that religious gatherings of different kinds are getting short shrift under this regime as compared to secular gatherings for business or recreation. So the people who can gather at the beach in unlimited numbers now can't gather in unlimited numbers at church. People who can sit in offices, and maybe hundreds of them in the major Fortune 500 companies, can't sit in the pews of the church. And the examples of inconsistencies abound. So what happened to Father uh, Robinson the day before this regime first went into effect was that he was ordered to disperse his congregation under threat of arrest because it was an illegal gathering. Who says so? The governor does under his fiat. The rabbi had a couple of run-ins with the police during the first, uh, I think it was our April 11th, uh, the police invaded his backyard and basically barked commands at him to cease his illegal gathering of prayer services in the backyard. They were holding the prayer services in the backyard of his synagogue because of the orders that the governor was handing down. Why? Because they wanted to be able to run in different directions to escape the police whereas they could, they could be trapped inside the synagogue. So they dispersed that day, running off in different directions, and uh, some of them um, uh, stayed behind. They finished their prayers inside. On another occasion, more recently, only a few days ago, during a celebration in the backyard of the synagogue, which was happening all over Lakewood in different backyards, because Lakewood is 60% Orthodox Jewish, the police invaded again. This time, two officers came into the backyard, accused the rabbi of having an illegal gathering. He demanded that they leave his property. When he persisted in demanding that he leave the, the, that they leave the property, a supervisor was called. He ended up being handcuffed and dragged off to jail. Then he was released on a charge of violating the governor's order by having more than 10 people in his backyard. When he got home, though, from jail that evening, around 1.30 in the morning, there were 200 residents. Lakewood and the Jewish community there to greet him. The police didn't break up the original gathering at which he was arrested, and they didn't break up the gathering of 200 people. So why did they arrest the rabbi? We're alleging they arrested the rabbi to harass and intimidate and target him under a patently unconstitutional law. So what we're asking for the federal court to do is issue an injunction against this insanity. All groups should be treated the same. If you're a religious group, you should have no limitation on your size. You should perhaps practice social distancing the same way that commercial groups are allowed to gather in unlimited numbers, provided that they practice social distancing. If you can sit in an office with other people, you can sit in a church with other people. It's really that simple, but the governor doesn't seem to think so. 
seems to be a couple of things that, that bother me about this. First of all is uh, the attack on Orthodox Jews. I, I, this just bothers me because throughout history we've seen the Jewish people just attacked and attacked and attacked again. Uh, right. The second thing that bothers me is not only in New Jersey, but across the nation, we seem to have this, um, it almost, it, 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 it's a, it's a identifiable campaign against religious expression. Uh, and they're using the coronavirus as an excuse. I mean, Absolutely. we've seen this in other states and in, in certain cities we've seen it. Uh, it. Congregations can't gather in a parking lot where they all stay in their cars and are spoken to over a radio. Um, what what do you think is going on? You're you're somebody who's more than just a, a lawyer. You're you're a Catholic apologist, I think. What is going on here? Well, you know, let let's put aside the question of motive for a minute. Let's not okay. assume that the motive is to get religion. The courts who have decided restrictions on speech in numerous cases have made one thing clear: you don't have to prove that someone hates religion. In, in dealing with restrictions like this. All you really have to show is that they unfairly burden religion compared to secular activity. The motive is almost irrelevant. So when you have a bunch of regulations that conveniently accept commercial activities from their restrictions, recreational activities, but somehow when it falls on religion there are severe restrictions, and in New Jersey it's no more than 10 people in a religious congregation, or a drive-in service, then you, you begin to see that this is not a general and neutrally applicable law, and that because it impacts religion without a justification, it should be struck down. Now, if you have motive to that, someone is deliberately targeting religion, and there's evidence of that here, then you have an even stronger case. What is the evidence here? This governor keeps creating exception after exception for all kinds of other activities like going to the beach, going to the park, going to the lakeside, working in non-retail businesses, shopping at the favored retail businesses, and yet somehow religion never seems to have the hand of the governor lifted from it. So now we have only two permissions for religion in New Jersey. Ten people only, you have an in-person service, or a drive-in service. Now, for, uh, for Father Murphy... A 10-person limit means that if you have two altar boys and a priest at low mass, you can only have a congregation of seven people. Or at high mass, if you have a priest with the five altar servers that are typical, you only have a congregation of four people. His total congregation is 100 people. So depending on whether he offers a low mass or a high mass, he has to say something like 14 to 25 masses a day, which of course is impossible, and it's forbidden by the law of the church. So that, that's absurd. As far as a drive-in service, why do people have to drive to church and sit in their cars throughout the, same, uh, throughout the service when the same people, after the service, can drive their cars to Costco, get out of their cars, go inside the building and shop? It's ridiculous. There should be and no have you been in a Costco lately? I, yeah, they're so conjugated I mean, groups of much larger than 10 and it's, um, it's a, I'm yeah. surprised the police yeah, aren't so, you know, stationed at those stores no they're not and, that, and that's why you begin to suspect that it isn't just by coincidence that this burdens religion but that there's a motive at work 
But again, it isn't really necessary to prove motive. What's necessary is to show that it's a nonsensical regime of exceptions that somehow never gives religion a break. So you're absolutely right. These people who are forced to go to a religious service in, dry, in a drive-in manner, they can't even get out of their cars. Oh, you can't get out of your car to go to the bathroom during the religious service, according to Governor Murphy. They can go in, in their cars to Costco and get out of their cars and go shopping. What's the difference? There is no relevant difference. As to the you know, rabbi, you can't have a drive-in service because all Jewish prayers require a minimum of 10 adult males, just like the Catholic right. service requires one male priest. So if you limit them to 10 people, uh, and they can't have a service because there's no congregation beyond the minimum well, of Well, not only, not only that, but... Uh the ten people, most of the churches that I've been in, whether they be Protestant, Catholic, or Jewish uh, synagogue, uh, have room for hundreds of people. It's certainly, uh, yeah, ten is it. And then, is as far a, as the go drive-in goes, the minimum of ten people in Jewish worship has to be in the same room at the same time. They can't be in different motor vehicles, so that doesn't work. The whole thing is ridiculous. So what we're arguing in the federal case is, let's stop this nonsense. All groups are the same in terms of a virus. The virus doesn't care why groups get together. The purpose for grouping people together is irrelevant to the virus. If you have a group in one place, the virus might be there. If you have a group in another place, it might just as well be there. doesn't matter whether it's a religious group or a business group. And the term gatherings that the governor is using here is com completely irrelevant medically and epidemiologically. What does the word gathering add to anything? If you're in an office with a bunch of people, that's a gathering. According to the governor, that's not a gathering. Why not? So uh, right. the distinction is meaningless in terms of preventing the spread of a virus. Has the, the state of, responded to your uh, lawsuit yet? Well, we're in the briefing stage. I have one more brief to file. Then there's a briefing okay. schedule. They get to file an answering brief. The briefing should be completed uh, on our uh, honor before June 1st, and then we hope to get a, a quick ruling from the okay. court. But, but uh, you know, my observation or takeaway from this whole story, from a higher view, is that um, <clears throat> I can't help but observe that the governor and, and this uh, colonel, uh, Patrick Callahan, the police officer in charge, um, have lost their faith, have probably don't even practice their faith. Maybe shop at Costco so understands why there's so many people at Costco, but the last time they might have been in a church, perhaps they was so long ago they don't remember what it's like. And so to them, it it's 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 a lost um um, it's a lost standard to their to their observations or to their lifestyle and values and and that's why it's such a target. Do you think perhaps that's we pray for them? Well, I, I don't know what their motives are. Uh, you, you can make legal judgments based on uh, circumstantial evidence and draw inferences from evidence that there's a targeting of religion. Uh, what the motive for the targeting is, is, is almost legally irrelevant. The fact is that religion is being targeted, being targeted by being restricted to a 10 person limit or a drive in service when there is vast amounts of commercial activity and recreational activity that's not subject to any of these restrictions. The only restrictions on all these other activities are 
do your best to socially distance and sanitize the common surfaces. And by the way, the CDC has just come out to say, you know what, the virus really isn't transmitted very effectively on surfaces. So everybody's running around sanitizing everything, and it's really not going to help. So even that requirement is unnecessary, but we'll give them that. So we're saying, look, let us gather in the same numbers people can gather in all these different commercial and recreational places, and we'll practice social distancing and uh, do some sanitization. And I have yet to see a a coherent rationale for saying why this can't be done in a religious setting, but it can be done in all these other settings. It makes no sense whatsoever. And because it makes no sense, it can't survive scrutiny under the First and Fourteenth Amendments. Go ahead, Gina. Will this injunction or complaint, or the complaint uh, asking for an injunction, will it have any effect once they begin to open up the state and, you know, you're you're continuing the suit along the way? Is there any remedy? Will it it change anything into the future? Uh, What is the um, final outcome, given the circumstances that daily our our restrictions are changing? Well, here's the thing about that. We're, We're seeking to lift the limitations on religious gatherings. He's issuing executive orders that change the scenario almost every day. But so far, he hasn't done anything that approaches what we're asking for. If he were to do that, while the proceedings are pending, we would be happy to declare victory and go home. But so far, we don't see any signs of that. It looks like he's going to continue to administer with an eyedropper, one little drop at a time, the rights of people who gather for religious purposes. One of the things we say in the suit is, look at the state of Connecticut. In Connecticut, at least, the the, uh, governor has exempted religious activity from a very strict limitation on gatherings and said you can have up to 50 people for religious activity. Now, there should be no limit at all, but at least with 50 as a limitation, both of my clients who have small congregations could function. So we're was saying, look, that's a reasonable alternative. Give us at least that, even though we shouldn't have to undergo that. But the thing we're really looking for is just to let up entirely on religious activity and put it on the same footing as commercial and recreational activity. If he does that while my arguments are pending, obviously it moots my case, but so what? That's what we're looking for. That kind yeah, of you're looking for the result. Right. Uh, one final question before we have to go. Uh, what is the authority that the governor has to issue all these regulations? I can understand in the case of, a, of a, an emergency, but um, we're kind of well past the emergency stage now. What, what yes. gives him the authority to, to designate all of this? Very good question, and that's one of the counts in our complaint. He's invoking the Disaster Control Act in New Jersey that was enacted during World War II to commandeer industries for the war effort. But it's been amended since then to address things like uh, health emergencies, a pandemic. Uh, but under the DCA, as we call it, the, the Disaster Control Act, whatever the governor does has to be rationally related to the emergency and narrowly tailored to the demands of the emergency. What this governor is doing has no relationship to what the DCA permits. He's trying to micromanage 9 million people's lives. When they, how many people can play golf? How many people can worship? What stores you can patronize? We've never seen anything like this. So that's not what the DCA permits. And so we're arguing that his authority 
uh, is not given to him by the DCA, and that what he's doing is ultra-virus, in other words, outside the bounds of what the DCA permits, and that the whole regime he's created should be struck down as unconstitutional. So that you, you, make, you make a very good point. And you're right, the emergency has now passed. What's the justification of the infection rates decline, hospitalizations decline? Yeah. The disaster they were predicting of the overwhelmed hospitals and the lack of ventilators and, you know, basically viral Armageddon has never happened. In fact, uh, you might... And isn't, uh, isn't this the governor that uh, told um, uh, Fox News that uh, the Bill of Rights was above his pay grade? Yeah, I wasn't thinking of uh, the Bill of Rights when we did this, he said. That's, I believe, an exact <laughs> quote. He certainly wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when he did this, but we're hoping that the, the judge will ask him to begin thinking about the Bill of Rights now. We hope so. We hope so. We're out of time. Christopher, thank you very much for joining us today. Good luck with the lawsuit. We'll be following it with the Thomas More Society. They're good friends of the program, and we wish you luck. God bless you, and we'll, we're going to have to have you back talk about this third secret of Fatima one of these days, too. I'll be glad to. Certainly. Christopher Farrar, special counsel of the Thomas More Society. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be back right after these messages. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Hi, this is Father Larry Richards of EWTN Open Line Thursday, and we just want to encourage you to help us. We really need you to bring people to Jesus Christ. Think about it. What have we done to bring people to Christ? We need you and we need your help because Jesus tells you, go and make disciples of all nations. You can do that by helping us. God bless you. You can give securely online at iowacatholicradio.com, the Iowa Catholic Radio app, or call 515-223-1150.
Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. And welcome back. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Gina, um, another interesting show today. It's certainly fun. I'm looking forward to seeing a book come out in July for the Plot to Change America by Mike Gonzalez, our guest. Uh, he, um, it's From the little bit of that I've read about it, it sounds like not only does it explain the issue, uh, by identity politics, but it it also gives us um, a window into opportunities to change and change the path that these identity politics are putting on our society, so that we can come back to the truth and be um, more hopeful about the future of America. Yeah, that seems to be what is really uh, dividing us today. This identity, everybody belongs to a group, and um, and if you're not part of my group, you're against me. And um, you may be bigoted toward me. And, and that, that is what seems to be channeling a lot of things here these days. And then on, uh, with our other guest, Christopher Ferrara, um, that lawsuit uh, is, I th- I'm, I'm hoping you get a judge that, uh, that, that knows the law, unlike some other judges that we've seen recently. Uh, he should be able to win this thing. And my guess would be that eventually the governor is going to have to back down on something. The problem I see, though, is this seems to permeate throughout the country in certain states that are run by uh, progressive left parties. And you find it in not only in states, but you find it in some large cities, too, where the progressive left has kind of a, uh, a grip on the uh, structure of the city or on the the levers of government of the city where odd requests or odd requirements are made for religious services that don't apply elsewhere. And I think uh, Farrar hit it right on the head when he said what is happening is that they're treating religious gatherings differently than gatherings any other place. And I like the way he's... uh, taken the word gathering and discussed it because it really applies to every time people get together and you can see obviously from these requirements that uh, they're not all treated the same which is what the law requires i did read through the suit and i I was very um, struck by the fact that he pointed out that so many of these orders that the governor has made that did not include definitions for multiple terms that could be taken in in a variety of ways. I'm wondering, though, um, is is there any way that the suit could set some sort of preference so that in the future, you know, these kinds of activities by a governor under an emergency order, um, they'll take um, better notice or protections for uh, for faith traditions? I think that will depend on the governor and on the location you're at. Um, I mean, it seems common sense 
that you would apply these rules to everybody. If a gathering of 10 people is, uh, is considered uh, forbidden, then why in the world don't we uh, close Costco, for example? You mentioned Costco. So we're, we're looking at a number of things here. I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it, it depends on which way society kind of drifts. And if we drift to the left, uh, we're going to find more problems. If we start drifting back toward the center, I think we'll be a, a better off. I, I do have to point out these two things. In doing my little bit of a research before the show on the governor, I, I was drawn to the idea of maybe I can figure out what faith tradition he was raised in so that I can better understand why he doesn't find these things necessary for his citizens. Um couldn't couldn't actually find that, but I did notice that um, in his campaign materials, which there are many multiple pages of of that, um, he he lists uh, his upbringing. And the very first thing he mentions is his strong religion, uh, strong work ethic, and then goes on to education, civic awareness. Those are pillars of his family life. But he begins with religion, so he definitely has an understanding of of the faith. Uh, component of human um, existence in America, and and the other thing that I noticed that he's he uh, touts his in, he, endorsement by the double the NAACP, and he lists that uh, he was that over 100 African American faith leaders across the state have endorsed him. I wonder how they're feeling about his actions. Uh, yeah, I wonder how they're feeling about it too. Well, that's about it we have for today. So let's end. Uh with our prayer, St. Michael, Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. That's it for today. For Gina and and myself, thank you for listening. Join us next week and every Thursday for another edition of Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imaging Ingredients.